Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 284 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the tennis knowledge deception. You've probably been tricked, and most people in tennis have been tricked. And today we're going to talk about what that is, and it's going to be related to a story. I'm going to recount for you an experience that I had with one of our VIP students. Twice a month, we we have students come into town here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we work with them in person. And we only offer this two times a month. And all four essential tennis coaches work with this student. We have our video production crew there. We do super detailed, super tightly controlled and focused practice and training to help players make really big changes in their strokes in very short amount of time. And if you're not already subscribed to us on YouTube, then you need to do that because we, at least a couple times a week, we publish videos of what that looks like. And we actually, we record everything and the, the student gets the entire film of their, of their experience. But then we use that content and we create little lessons where we show where they started with their stroke when they came to us and we show their analysis and then the steps that we take to move from point A to point Z from kind of start to finish how we change their forehand or their backhand or their serve. Uh, our YouTube channel, by the way, is youtube.com slash essential tennis. So two weeks ago, we had a student in town and she was in her 60s and uh, around 3.5 player or so, which is really kind of middle of the road, typical kind of student that we, we get here in Milwaukee. And she had much better physical awareness than most students that we work with. And what I mean by that is when she was working on a particular movement or a particular technique, frequently after we'd ask her to to perform something in a really specific way, she would go out, do a couple reps, and after a couple that were pretty good, she would start to drift back towards her old habit. And most students, we have to tell them that's happening. And that's totally normal. Most students don't have the awareness to, to feel when they're drifting back towards their old habit. Their old habit is, is a comfort zone. And so it's very difficult for most players to, to feel when they're moving away from the new thing that we're working on. This student, however, almost every time that she would start to deviate and drift back towards her old habit, she would catch it herself and then correct herself back to where she knew that we were trying to get her. And it was actually really, really impressive. And so I kind of share this for context for what I'm going to tell you in a a moment. And also above and beyond her, her really excellent physical awareness of what she was doing with her body, she had a really high level, even for this kind of student, generally these, these players who come in and work with us are unbelievably dedicated, driven, and, and passionate. And she had done an incredible amount of homework, even beyond what I would say is the, the norm for th- this type of student, our, our VIP students. She'd watched a tremendous amount of video content, had a tremendous amount of knowledge about technical positions and stroke mechanics and that sort of thing. And so we were, we did a lot of great work with her. There was one 
particular stroke, her serve, where something really, really curious happened. I've never seen this happen before. And I think it's because of that kind of combination that she brought to the table of really good physical awareness and also really high technical knowledge of stroke mechanics with tennis. So we moved through her serve warm-up and we recorded, the pros are all standing back by the back curtain, we're watching her serve, we're reviewing some, some clips of her serve while she's serving. And then Kevin did the analysis with her where he showed her a professional example, showed her a couple of technical benchmarks that are important, then showed her her own stroke and kind of the differences and the, the contrasts and really kind of laid out exactly what we'd be focusing on and and why it was important that we change X, Y, and Z. And she had a really classic frying pan or what I like to call a pushing service motion where she would take the racket back with her hand facing upwards, her racket face facing upwards, and then just push forwards towards contact. And so she had zero pronation in her motion. She had zero loading of her racket or shoulder with the, the racket on edge or her hand facing to the left as a righty. And this is unbelievably common, super, super common thing. So uh, Kevin handed things over to me and after the, the initial analysis, and I said, okay, uh, do me a favor, come on up to the baseline and just shadow through some really slow practice shadow swings for me. So no ball and do me a favor and just move through a couple of your, your service motion movements. And then after a couple of reps, I'm going to, I'm going to step in and I'm going to make a couple adjustments to your movement. And so my, I do this really frequently with our students. My plan was to just have her get situated, get her comfortable with the shadow swings. And then after a couple to get herself in a, in a rhythm, I would step in and say, okay, now let me slowly guide you through the positions that we'd like to hit instead and show her step-by-step what it would feel like to hit the different uh, pit stops or different checkpoints in her serve that we really wanted to make sure to change. And so I, I let her go ahead and start the shadow swing. And as she moved through those first couple shadow swings, everything about her motion changed. Everything. Every, every single technical thing that, we talk, that Kevin talked about with her during the analysis and another probably three or four other technical things that she could have improved, but they definitely weren't a primary focus for us, also changed. In short, her, her serve just completely morphed into a completely different and just basically perfect shadow swing. Exactly. Like we couldn't have possibly asked her to execute those slow shadow swings any better. Her trophy pose totally changed. She started bending her knees, which uh, she wasn't doing in her original serves. She was sliding her hips forwards into the court, which she was not doing at all on her actual serve. Her racket drop was much further and it was correct. Her racket was moving up towards her imaginary contact point on edge, which she was not doing before. She was releasing and pronating out to the right. She totally changed everything without me asking her to do anything or, or, or giving her any kind of instruction. Now, of course, Kevin had just reviewed the serve with her, but we, we hadn't actually given her anything specific to change. Of course, you know, she saw the differences between herself and the pro example, but she changed its, like at least six or eight different elements during these shadow swings from what she did in real life and what she was doing on these practices. So 
I just kind of stood there and just kind of watched her for, for probably 20 or 30 seconds and kind of glanced over to the pros who were standing back by the, the back curtain and just eventually just kind of said, well, okay, good job. Like that's, uh, yes, that's exactly what uh, we're looking for. 99.9% of the time I would have stepped in and said, okay, now let me help you with taking the racket back and see if we want to hit this position with your hand and with your racket, etc." She changed everything. And so I asked her, well, how, how did you know, how, how did you do that? How was how there such, we showed her a video, uh, Kevin and Megan were recording video back behind her. So I said, so I showed it to her and said, look it, this is all totally different than where we started. I didn't even ask you to do anything. How did that, how did that happen? How did you know what to change? And she said, oh, well, A, I watch a whole bunch of videos online and B, after I watched those videos, and there was one video in particular that she had found really helpful, and she said, I like to practice in front of a mirror. And so I do shadow swings in front of a mirror all the time, especially after watching videos on serve technique. So this is kind of the crossroads. This is, this is the deception. The deception is that knowledge information in your head about technique is meaningless without training your body and your mind. Without training your unconscious habits for tennis stroke production, I don't care how many videos you've watched, I don't care how many books you've read, I don't even care how many lessons you've taken, if the, les- if the lessons are focused on giving you more information and expanding your education on what tennis strokes should be and what they should look like, and what they should accomplish, it doesn't make any difference. And this, for me, was the most stark example or illustration of that that I've ever seen in my personal, professional career on the courts. We have all kinds of students that have all different levels of awareness and knowledge about the game. And of, of course, the reason why they're coming to see us is they know their execution isn't what it should be. And so we help them through that. But this student really took it to an extreme where she not only had the knowledge, but she had trained her shadow swings to the point where her shadow swings were, were basically perfect. And yet they were completely 100% different than what her unconscious habits were. And at this point, I just simply like to use myself as another illustration or example. A couple of weeks ago, Kevin led a couple of videos, uh, a video shoot, where he worked with me on my backhand. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, then you probably know that my backhand is my, my weakest shot. And I have a tremendous amount of knowledge in my head about exactly why my backhand is my my weakest shot. I know where the discrepancies are between what I do and what a professional player does. I know that my unit turn is weak. I know that when I drop my racket down after my unit turn, my racket face is way too open when I drop into the slot position. I know that when I make contact, I've got tremendous tension in my hand, my wrist, and my forearm. And I know that my swing path is really flat. And as a result, my follow-through is really tight and short, relatively speaking, relative to my my forehand side. And so I know all these things, but that knowledge does not equal execution. That knowledge doesn't equal habit. It does not equal unconscious movement 
of the body. That only comes through training. And so this student that we had had a huge gulf, a huge separation between her knowledge and her execution. On my backhand side, my knowledge about how to hit a one-handed backhand is exponentially more than my ability to execute a one-handed backhand, exponentially more. And so she and I completely share that. And there's hundreds of you, probably thousands of you listening where this is the same. And by the way, I'm not saying that she's a bad person or a bad player. I'm not saying I'm a bad person or a bad player. It just, it is what it is. And it's the reality of how we work and how we learn and how we retain information and how we create habits. The knowledge, the, the gathering of information does not lead to better execution. It comes down to training. And so, of course, the question is, well, how do we train? How do we, how do, we do this is the, the million-dollar question. And the answer, in a nutshell, is with small, manageable stepping stones that lead from knowledge to match play. Knowledge is micro step number one, understanding and knowing. And match play is micro step number 74, down the path through the journey of starting from knowledge and creating a new unconscious habit in match play, by the way, is a really important distinction. And many of you listening to me understand this. You, you know that you can do something new and, and practice, but in match play, it totally goes back to your old habit. You completely lose the new thing. And so I'm making that distinction on purpose. The, the jump from knowledge to match play is huge. And I've been using a, an illustration recently to describe this, and that is a, an illustration of trying to cross a really wide, raging river with super aggressive uh, stream of water, super aggressive current, and we're, we're talking like 30, 40, 50 foot wide from one bank to the other bank. And on one bank of the river, the, the side that you're standing on is your current habit, your current movement patterns, the current way that you swing without thinking about it. And on the other opposite bank is the new habit, the, the new swing, the new forehand, the new serve that you really like to be able to execute. And that raging river that separates you from, from the bank you're on now to the bank that you want to be on, that is your muscle memory. That's your current habit. And unfortunately, the way most players approach improvement and really unfortunately, the way that a lot of coaches address improvement, and they try to get their students to learn, is they give knowledge, they give instruction, they give information, and then they just jump right into the water. <laughs> they just jump right into the river. And maybe they'll, they'll work super hard for, for a, a period of time, could be 10 minutes, could be a half an hour, maybe a couple hours or even a day or two, where they really struggle and, and work hard against that current, against that, that raging flow of water. But after a while, you just get tired and you kind of give in and just go back with the flow of doing what you're used to doing. And so the only way to really, let me put one caveat in there. There's one type of person or student or player that can get away with just jumping in the water. And that's somebody who's already been trained at a very high level in some other athletic discipline. And so if you were a really high level athlete in some other sports or dance 
or anything else requiring a great deal of physical discipline and awareness and um, control of your body, awareness of what your body is doing, then it's, pos- it's possible to jump into the water and swim to the other side. But for the vast, vast majority of us, and I put myself in this category as somebody who on a good day plays 5.0 level tennis and competed at a pretty high level in Division Two NCAA uh, college tennis, I put myself in this category of somebody who can't just jump in the water and just do something new immediately, especially when there are extremely grooved in habits and patterns that have been done for decades before. And that's the case for me on my backhand side, 100%. And so what needs to be done is there needs to be stepping stones placed in the river so that you can just take one step at a time and slowly but surely make your way to the other side. And those stepping stones are drill progressions. And so with the case of one of our students, let's say we're changing a a forehand ground stroke. Typically, we'll start with segmented shadow swings. So that means not even the full motion of their forehand. We'll have them stop at three different points in their swing and really kind of take inventory of what they're doing with their body, visually check what they're doing, kinesthetically feel what it's like to be in that position, and then move on to the next part of the swing, so on and so forth. We'll have them start with segmented shadow swings. Then we'll have them do some slow, continuous shadow swings all the way through the movement. Then we'll have them do some half-speed shadow swings. Then, and by the way, every time I say then, it means we're checking on video and showing them, look, great, you're doing it correctly. Or if they're not, okay, we need to keep working on this. After the half-speed shadow swings, we'll drop, we'll have them do a combination of shadow swings and then we'll drop a ball right in their strike zone and have them practice executing with a drop and hit. A combination of that and shadow swings. Then we'll do a little, a few more drops and a few less shadow swings and we'll, we'll start to give them a few more reps with a drop and hit. Then we'll go to the other side, maybe give them an underhand toss. Then with an underhand toss, have them move a little further away and then eventually get back to the baseline and feeding with a racket. And then we'll have them hit from the baseline with a little bit of movement. And then finally, and this is frequently an hour and a half, two or maybe three hours later, we'll move to a slow cooperative rally. Now there might be more steps in there. Those are just like the main ones. Those are the main stepping stones. Those are the main drill progressions for a forehand. And by the way, if you're curious about what more progressions might be, episode number 260 of the Essential Tennis Podcast is titled 24 Tennis Improvement Progressions. And so I just listed, I think, seven or eight. I list 24 different improvement progressions in episode number 260 of the podcast. So check that out if you're kind of interested in nerding out about that particular part of the learning process. But... The bottom line is that this is a process. It takes many progressive, slow steps to learn something new. You cannot just jump into the deep end and expect yourself to do it correctly. You will not do it correctly. Not when the ball is there. And so that's why somebody like me can have a a very wide range and and deep amount of understanding about a stroke, but do it completely wrong in the case of my backhand. And that's why somebody like our student two weeks ago 
can perfectly execute a serve with a shadow swing, but when she tosses the ball up in the air for her serve, everything changes. And that ball acts like a trigger and it triggers her unconscious habit. And that habit is completely different from when she's consciously going through her motion the way that she knows she's supposed to. And so the antidote, the way that we solve tennis knowledge deception is by using a progressive approach. It's by training new habits and not relying on knowledge or information. It's about creating new unconscious movement patterns by using those stepping stones and creating a progressive approach. So, Final thing I'd like to say is that if you're taking lessons right now, or if you're leading your own instructional journey, and it consists of explanation or learning or knowledge increase, whether that's a video or a coach explaining it to you or this podcast or a blog or whatever, if, if the instructional approach is information followed by just going out and hitting and saying, okay, we're going to just do that. It's, you're not improving. There's a 99% chance that you're not actually making the changes that you think you're making. The only way to know for sure is with video. Unfortunately, almost nobody uses video. <laughs> and so there's this, there's this huge misconception and lack of awareness of what's actually happening out there. So hopefully... This episode has really opened your eyes to that. But I'd love to hear what you think. If this has been helpful, shoot me an email to ian at essentialtennis.com. That's I-A-N. And also please uh, share it with uh, a teammate or a practice partner or a coach. We'd really appreciate it if you help spread the news about the Essential Tennis Podcast. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.